Hi again, welcome back to All Things Data. Today we're talking about the things that AI can do in terms of how it creates and what it can create. It's going to be kind of a fun episode, really not getting deep into AI, but talking about generalities and analogies as to what it's able to do. And I think it, it ought to be very interesting, especially for those of you who are not specifically deep in AI practitioner world and just kind of want to know, like scratch the tip of the iceberg and take a look at, you know, take a peek at what's on inside and what's underneath. So without further ado, let's get going. Hi, Victor. So is AI actually capable of creating things on its own or is it solely about predicting and classifying things? So in business applications, I mean, the workhorse that is automation and AI is mostly about inference and classification. So prediction and classification, but that's not all AI is capable of doing. If you look at some of the larger tech companies, and also if you look at a lot of the really novel and great research that's happening in academia and also at these large tech companies because they also spend money on R&D, there has been notions of creative AI for several years. And these, these sort of networks have been largely in two classes of the AIs that do create and they're generally a GAN, which is a generative adversarial network, or an RL, so reinforcement learning. It's not that they're necessarily going to create in the same sense that humans create. They're not going to learn the craft. You know, this is not like a craftsman, artisanal making, like the best jam in the world. That's mm -hmm. not what they're doing. They're basically brute forcing, generally brute forcing their way through and getting to results that are acceptable in some manner. I mean, that could very well be that they're trying to beat themselves without getting really into the big depth of a GAN. It's basically two networks competing or, you know, it's that they're chasing the best rewards. So like people usually do this in school by having a leaderboard of the best students so who scored the best who has the best mark and that person becomes the best student or the best learner or whatever you want to call them and that's sort of what the reinforcement learning world is about so yeah definitely ai can be creative there's many things it has and can create however it needs to be generally pointed in the direction of what you want it to create it doesn't just materialize yeah. I see. So would an AI be able to create visual art or music? Um, it would. It definitely would be able to create those things. And it has. That's the cool oh, thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Speaking again of GANs, so the generative adversarial networks, I guess I'll sidetrack a little. Easy way to think of a GANs is sort of like catch me if you can or like somebody who's faking bills. So mm -hmm. like, you know, you're creating fake bills. Right. and somebody trying to catch them. So, you know, Leo and Tom. <laughs> so Leo is generating a bunch of fake bills. You have to know this movie or else these names are not going to yeah, make Yeah, the right hand sense. writing the checks. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So Leonardo is faking checks, faking bills. He's just generally faking things and trying not to be caught. And right. That's why catch me if you can. Uh, when Leo starts, he has really no notion of what a fake bill should look like other than I've seen a bill, right? 
So it's not so unlike a generator in a GAN network. So the generator here is competing against the discriminator. And in the Catch Me If You Can example, the discriminator is Tom Hanks. He's the one who's trying to figure out, is this fake? Is this real? Should I chase this guy down? Do I chase him across the US and try to figure out where he is? Why is he a lawyer now? <laughs> yeah, so generally, Leo will start with really crappy fakes and they'll very easily be caught. Eventually though, those crappy fakes through trial and error, more or less, will start to optimize and get good. Now you're in this world of, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio now knows how to make some pretty damn good fakes, right? So all of a sudden, Tom Hanks's ability to find out how those fakes, what those fakes are, his ability has to get better. So then he kind of sharpens up, he trains and does a little push up and whatever. And then all of a sudden he's better at discriminating. He's better at figuring out what's true and not true, what's fake and not fake. And it's this battle, like this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which is the adversarial part of these networks. Eventually you get to a place, you're generally optimizing for the discriminator. So you're trying to optimize for Tom Hanks here. Eventually you get to a place where Tom Hanks is so damn good uh, that now Tom Hanks can create things, right? And generally what happens is the Leo character here, the generator, is sort of seen as I'm generating training data. So the aim is to make that discriminator really good and that's the network that you're going to want to optimize for the best. But at the same time, you're optimizing the generator network. So Leo's getting really good at creating training data for Tom. And Tom is the one who matters to us. We care more about Tom. And we want Tom to be like the best fake build finder of all time. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're adversaries all the way through. You do this with art, you do this with music, you can do this with a bunch of creative endeavors, largely by saying, okay, well, paint. And then your generator paints and your discriminator says, that is definitely not a whatever, a Michelangelo or a Da Vinci or like a Palermo, who cares? Like some artist, right? Then eventually that discriminator, so the curator of art, no longer can tell very easily and it's got to sharpen itself. So yes, for at least five years in academia and, and in research, there has been art that's been created and it's been really good. Mm -hmm. Like you are at the point where it's still more research topic than it is applications in real world, but you're at the point where you can train networks on all the art of some artists, whether it's visual art or music or something like that. And then it sort of starts understanding how to really generate the kind of art that was whoever, like that artist. And then all of a sudden, eventually, you now start generating art that never existed in the world. Mm -hmm. That even like museum curators and, and like Sotheby's of the world, like those art houses and the auction houses could very well believe that that's art that specific artist made. Like a, it's a new Kandinsky or something that just happens to materialize that was stuck in somebody's basement, you know? And of course, if you can do that with visual art, it's not much of a stretch to think you can do that with music. All you really need to do is turn whatever your medium is that you want into bits and bytes 
and feed it to the machine and, and represent it in a way that it understands. So music fits itself really nicely. And other we've been digitizing music for a very long time. So it's not a new novel thing, but the new novel thing is you could very well generate music that sounds like the Beatles in the style of Mozart, in the style of like a children's melody of some sort, right? And then all of a sudden you have royalty-free awesome music, which is actually a, a game that we flirted with for a while was to help create uh, royalty-free music as placeholders when you are producing new TV of some sort or a new video of some sort because you will have to pay for the royalties for the music that you're sampling or using. But if you just want something that sounds like house trance in your in the background of your South by Southwest video, you don't have to go get real house trance. You can generate something that's house trance-like, mm -hmm. that's never been heard or never been seen, and it's royalty-free at this point, right? If you wanted something that sounded like the Beatles because you have this sort of look and feel about your video, you could insert that in and you could have it generated for you. So yeah, AI can generate art, can, tell, can generally get it past the sniff test of many people, including auction houses, including curators. And I'm certain that somebody, you know, some industrious person because of NFTs being around now and this like craze and mania of people selling into NFTs. Right. It's not a hard stretch to go, yo, let's have AI create some art and sell them as NFTs as if like they were Mozart or not, well, Mozart for music or, you know, Da Vinci or whoever for right. actual visual art. Yeah. So yeah, it can totally create and it can create much more than just art and music actually. Yeah. Great. Great. With a thousand ML being an AI company, focus largely on NLP, I have to ask, can AI write a novel? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but what you might want to ask if you're a student is, can AI write my book report? That's probably oh, a better yes. question, right? Yeah, they can actually do both. If you're the kind of person who can put together a network that's going to write uh, your book report for you, you might want to fade, like focus on AI and not focus on writing that book report because you're pretty damn good, right? <laughs> <laughs> You'll make more money on the, on the AI than you will on that book report for sure. Again, just like we were saying earlier where it can generate enough knowledge about a subject matter like art or music where it can create new art or music it 100% can create uh, a novel for you. Mm -hmm. And it can do it in sort of in the style of whoever the writer is. So if you wanted right. like a new JK Rowling novel, because you're a huge like, you know, fan, and you're like a fanboy of all that sci-fi and fantasy stuff, it's not absurd that you could have it generate, it would be a quite an endeavor. Like you may want to start with a network that generates the building blocks or framework of a story, so give me the story art first, and then you have several other models that fill that in. Like, I don't know that you're necessarily going to have a single model do everything, although it's possible. But you kind of want to think of breaking up the problem. This is, you know, software development and AI kind of hand in hand. It's like, how can I break up that problem into smaller problems and have something solve the smaller problems one at a time? So it's very possible to, like, have it do chapters and you give it themes on chapters and you have a general story arc about the whole thing. So then you're like, okay, I need you to create a chapter on they're walking through the meadows talking about their lives or 
something, right? And then it'll just, from its knowledge of all the J.K. Rowling books, and probably from its knowledge, you would probably want to feed it a ton of fantasy books, a ton of sci-fi books, things that are, like if you went to like a Barnes & Noble or a, an Indigo in Canada, you'd want to go to the section that is J.K. Rowling that has all of the right. those kind of books and see all the competitors and feed all of that mm -hmm. to the AI so it can internalize it, in a sense. In my head, I'm just trying to think of, I can use AI to rewrite the ending of Game of, Game yeah, of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> 100%, and you could do so much better job. <laughs> I know. It's funny, because like, generally, you would think creative humans are going to be better at creative than, than computers, but that was such a miss that, yes, I think <laughs> you could. And they're probably, like, I've never Googled this, but I wouldn't be surprised in the like slightest if somebody has trained an AI to do better endings of movies and movies That's and great. TV shows. That's hilarious. Yeah, so like we could look at that later and if we do find something, like maybe we'll put out something about it. Yeah, but like along with creating uh, a book or a novel, like AI is generating a lot of text and it's not just fiction, non-fiction text. Well, I guess that kind of covers everything, but it's not just like novel and book text. It, it can go right down to helping you create emails and like even right down to creating software development code. Like you can do that oh, wow. with AI. It can generate code for you given an instruction. Like I need something done for this specific thing and it will generate the code. Like you have to kind of seed the AI with understanding the language that you're giving it. But once it does, it can literally like code for you. So it can generate code and possibly generate AI if you do it well enough. Yeah. Wow. So it, that's like the scary kind of AI. AI generating AI generating AI generating. Imagine. Oh, for sure. What else would AI be able to do right now that most people wouldn't have thought about? Okay. Uh, cool question. Maybe I'll start with some of the things, broad topics that people do think about with AI. You've probably gone, if you use memes and GIFs, you've probably gone online and, and used an AI generated meme generator. Not super sophisticated AI, but pure AI. Same thing with deep fakes, as you might imagine, whether it's voice or it's the actual movement and like the visual part of it. You've probably seen like some of the Obama ones because he talked a lot and there's a lot of actual video of him. They've done it. There's Trump. And usually people do it with celebrities. They're not generally going to do it with somebody like me. Yeah. But speaking of celebrities, you can and it has been done where you'd feed the AI a data set of like famous people and it can generate new celebrities and you look at them and like we're humans and we know who celebrities are and who are not celebrities generally if you know pop culture a bit. That's like Western pop culture. But you look at them, you're like, oh my God, like, do I know these people? Because these celebrities look like they would be real celebrities. And you're like, wait, is that like somebody that I should know? So yeah, it, it can do that. Like we said, it can make art in an artist's style. You know, if you said you wanted an artist of some sort, it could, you know, mimic that artist. It can mimic musicians as well. Given enough data set and enough knowledge, it could very well create recipes. And it does create recipes. There are many recipes that are driven by it, but obviously it can't taste. So like the, the part of this is going to be a good recipe still ends up on humans. Mm -hmm. And it generally could end up pretty bad. And it has at times ended up pretty bad. Just YouTube a bunch of them, like AI generated recipes. You'll see there's some like, I think there was a, a brownie one that for some reason they put cayenne in or something because oh, chocolate and cayenne can go together. 
I guess. I don't know, whatever. Then, of course, I mean, it can generate images, as you might imagine. I don't mean like it's just going to generate them because you created an AI that just generates image. I literally mean you can say the interface with AI is language, and you can say, I want a red bird perched on a branch with a gray belly and a short beak, and it just generates that picture for you. It can do that with emails. I mean, you could generate, and Google does this actually uh, a lot right now. It has like canned responses or answers based on the prior email. So it's a little bit of AI and a little bit of uh, like decision flow support of sorts, but automation, um, still AI. And then the one that we talked about, generating code and generating SQL, that one has been done, I think the first people to do it were actually Baidu. So like the competitor to Google in China. And I think like in 2017, 2018 or something, they created AI that like a GAM that largely you could ask it for the kind of method or kind of function that you want or to create a database for you or queries for that database by just asking it. So it's like, I need a database who's going to store user models with locations and departments and a hierarchy. And thought once you've done it many times as a developer, that's not hard to do, but when you're new, it'd be awesome to just say that and all of a sudden out comes mm -hmm. code and like your project started. Who else? OpenAI has done a bunch of stuff with generating code, generating SQL, and like the models keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger around language and text that it understands more and it can generate more. And that's where we live as well, as well is the understanding and generation of all kinds of content and text. So the more that we can benefit from these huge companies doing awesome research and then my smart people ingesting that research and putting it into our product, the better really. Yeah. So that's where we are with, I guess, AI generating things that we didn't think were possible. It's kind of cool. It is cool. It's kind of scary. Like, I'm not really that scared of it because I kind of understand what goes into it. But, I mean, you could have it that it has sort of a runway process and starts creating things that you don't want it to create or doing things you don't want it to. And there will be a place where you have to safeguard your company, your AI, or whatever it is, right? You're going to have to safeguard it. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's largely going to be really cool, especially because academics tend to do kind of like fun things with images and music and I mean the big thing is like autonomy right so autonomous driving autonomous mm -hmm. flying autonomous whatever and a lot of that also happens because of GANs so like think of Waymo which is Google's um, self-driving initiative that they they have been running I think for several years now in uh, Arizona every time they drive they obviously gather a ton of data, right? And about environment, other traffic, all this other stuff. The problem is it doesn't give you a representation of every possible traffic situation ever. So what they do or what they can do, I don't know exactly what they do, but what they could be doing and what would be smart is you use a GAN and you have a generator sort of create all the traffic possibilities so let's say you arrive, you're the Waymo car, you arrive at an intersection, and this is a normal intersection, nothing bad going on, but there's like five cars. So there's, you know, so many possibilities of bad things that could happen in that intersection. So 
generally in the real world it doesn't mm -hmm. that's kind of like the nice thing is that people are weary and they kind of respect the laws mostly but what if you lived in a, a completely lawless world because we're going to hold our autonomous movement systems AIs, all that stuff to a way higher standard than we hold people like every day people kill people with cars and there's never this like huge oh my god another person died from a car accident it's just kind of like a passing thing somebody died in a car accident now whenever an ai even like doesn't kill somebody but like has a minor fender bender where it costs 50 dollars to fix that problem it's like headline news and a big big deal so because we're holding it to such a high standard it's going to have to learn to drive in the worst conditions possible so that the normal conditions are super easy. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is Waymo and all these autonomous driving companies end up driving, well, their brains, so like the AIs that are embedded therein, end up driving the equivalent of like millions of human years of driving every several days or every several, whereas we drive, you know, in a week, we drive a week's worth of driving. So we obviously will never ever be able to keep up with uh, the way that a Waymo or another autonomous driving company will drive in the future and how they can avoid accidents and see them before they happen and have seen situations that we would never even think of. Mm. So that's the advantage of having creative AIs that can generate things that we wouldn't normally have in, in an environment. Right. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So there we have it. Uh, a kind of fun episode all about creating with AI and having as many adversarial networks as possible, creating art, music, code, deep fakes, dank memes, all that stuff. Join us next week where we'll get on to our 10th episode of this season. All right, have a great day. Bye-bye.